Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landeskog. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dom two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good luck. You won't see it for long. Two on home run. Trevor Story. Lock. And so touchdown. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast. The 2021 DMVR Goaties are finally here. This is our third year doing the Goaties, and it's going to be a great week. We're going to break these up into three-day discussions, and today we start off with Newcomer of the Year. But first, we are, as always, presented by Breckenridge Brewery, the best brewery in Colorado. If you are interested in finding out where you can purchase their Breck Brews, go to their Breck Brew locator on their website, and you can find where you have the closest Breck Brews near you. Definitely check that out. All right, take it away, Ryan. Newcomer of the year and then moment of the year. All right, welcome into the first of our 2021 Goaties panel discussions here. And we're doing things a little bit differently this year. Instead of revealing who the winner is shortly after this discussion, you're going to have two options. You can either, one, come to the bar on Saturday, January 29th, where we will be revealing the winners live. Or you can tune in right here on YouTube two days later on Monday the 31st to see the winners then. So we're going to start here with Newcomer of the Year. And Jesse, you're not actually eligible since you already uh, were at the NVR. Well, I'm out. I'm out of here. Yeah, you're not eligible. But we do have a couple (laughs) great uh, candidates here for Newcomer of the Year. We've got Mace here to talk about Pat Sertan. We do have Jesse here to talk a little bit about Devon Taves. And we, of course, have Boat here to talk about the Silver Surfer, right? That's, That's right. Name? Aaron Gordon, as oh, everyone knows, the Silver Surfer. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mace, let's start with you here and mm. Pat Sertan. Yeah, it's funny because with Sertan, I think I was a little bit of the skeptic of our group because a lot of people are like, oh, he's the next champ, Bailey, yeah. the next champ, Bailey. I'm like, okay, let's wait and see. I'm not going to say he's the next champ, Bailey, because that's like a top 
ten all time corner. It's a that's first still, ballot Hall of Fame. Right. That's still <laughs> a bit high to to put on him. I can definitely say that he is the next generational cornerback in Denver. Wow. And yes. what's crazy about him, just to add in a little bit, yeah. is like his mannerisms and even like his swag on the yeah. field is very Champ Bailey esque, mm -hmm. which like just makes it even harder to tell people right. to pump the brakes on that. And then of course <laughs> he goes out and he should have been a Pro Bowler in my opinion in his rookie season. It's like. Yeah, I can't really tell you guys to pump the brakes on Pat's yeah, yeah. like go crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, only a 61.8 passer rating when he was targeted. And I and, think and, and he shut and also he he became that shutdown corner. People remember the pick 6 against the Chargers. For me, the signature performance is going against Jamar Chase yeah. most of the game, Chase having a rookie season that might have been the best for any receiver since Randy Moss back in 98 and one catch, three yards. And that Completely wasn't on Pat Sertan. Right. He, in, uh, when Pat Sertan was matched up right. on Jamar Chase, not, not only did he have zero catches, he had zero targets. Yes. So Joe Burrow just said, yeah, sorry, Jamar, we're not going this way. I mean, that's a lockdown corner, right? That a, a quarterback looks at someone like Sertan and says, I'm just not going to bother testing him. I'm not going to, I'm not worrying about that. That's one side of the field gone. I'm going to focus on the rest of it. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of corner that you are looking for, that you crave if you're building a team. And that is what Champ Bailey was. Because at his peak, opponent after opponent simply said, I'm not even going to bother with that side of the field. And that's why Bailey went from a guy who had double-digit interceptions, I believe in 06, to someone who barely, who barely saw the ball in his direction for most of the, of the years that followed. And that is one thing with Sertan that will be interesting to watch because we know how great a cover corner he is, but... Part of that is going to be he's not going to have many chances to get his hands on the ball because we're going to see more games like the one that he had against mm -hmm. Jamar Chase where simply the quarterback ignores him. But that's a big thing. If you have one guy who can take away one flank of the field, makes it easier to defend the rest of it. I mean, Sertan, he wasn't a pro bowler. He should have been. I think it'll happen pretty soon for him. It will happen soon. Either of you guys, any original impressions of watching Pat Sertan this year? Well, I just love the point that Mace made because I think defensive backs can be, depending on the broadcast, you know, crew or your perspective on football, almost like a referee. Like, you had a really good day because we didn't talk about you yep. because yeah. your matchup wasn't highlighted because it was taken away. Uh, and so I just think it, it's going to be the kind of thing where as he gets better and better and you move further away from what the roster construction looked like at the time that he was drafted – where people may have an even easier time saying, great pick. Well, and, and to your point of you wanted to start telling people, well, hold on, pump the brakes, and you always have to do that when, when especially you know, rookies come in to the league, come to a new team, and you see those flashes. It's so easy to get kind of carried away, but then suddenly you get to the end of the season and it's not flashes, it's, it's who they are. And, and I think that was, <clears throat> for me, as someone who doesn't, you know, I'm not on the Broncos beat, obviously, but – that was a conversation that you kept hearing all year as, wow, this, this kid's really showing, you know, some, some flashes. Wow. He looks really good to the end of the year where I'm with you. I, I don't know why he wasn't a pro bowler um, because he, he played at that level consistently. And it's, it's impressive when any rookie can do that, let alone in a starting role and, and kind of to your point, have the attention taken off him because they played their position so efficiently. Yeah. One thing I like for him and I'll, we'll wrap up here is he's going to get his shine like mace and remembers this and, and zach we were like pounding the table all of chris harris jr's career to be like give this guy his shine that's because mm. he's an undrafted free agent he didn't have a name he came from ku mm. 
Pat Sertan's the opposite, right? Everyone mm. knows his dad. He comes from Alabama. He's a first-round pick. Like, it won't take long sure. for, for mm. you know, the nation to wise up to who he is. All right, let's move on here to Devontae's. Yeah, uh, for me, this is – you know, he's, he's different than uh, Pat Sertan because he's not a rookie, right? He, he came mm. in – and and he when Joe Sag acquired him for two second round picks, which you look back on it now and it's I can't Genius. believe. I mean, you talk so much about the Matt Duchesne trade that yielded seven pieces being there's the best trade of Joe Sackick's tenure. Well, then just a couple years later, he turns around and trades two second round picks for Devon Taves, who is turned into an elite number one defenseman in the NHL. Mm. It's easy for him to get overshadowed because he plays on a team that's just I mean it's littered with superstars and his defensive pairing, Kale McCarr. Is is carving out a path in? He hasn't even. Kill McCarthy hasn't even played a full season. He's carving out a path to be in that conversation for greatest defenseman of all time. So Devon Taves can get kind of overlooked, but if you go back and look at Devon Taves' tenure now, a season and a little bit less than a half with the Avs, he is a top three defenseman by every statistical measure. Uh, he, I mean, he he drives play at an elite rate, but he suppresses shots in his own end at an equally elite rate as good as Kel McCarr is there's a great chance that Devon Taves is the best 200 foot defenseman on the abs right now currently wow. mm-hmm. I mean he he plays both ends of the ice as, as efficiently as you know you mentioned Champ Bailey yeah I'm not quite ready to put Devon Taves' number up to Ray Borks but I mean he he's playing at that type of level in terms of offensive production um, he's over a point per game player but when you look at his advanced metrics, he gives up almost nothing in his own end. Uh, and, and his ability to move play up ice, he was a really good player with the New York Islanders. His play is just a picture-perfect fit for the way that the Avs play, the, the, the types of players they have. Um, and, and he really has. I mean, he, he's come in and taken over as a number one defenseman in the NHL. Had the NHL gone to the Olympics, I, I firmly believe he would have been on Team Canada, which is... Stacked. Easily, easily the best <laughs> roster at the Olympics, any of those best on best tournaments, he would have absolutely been in that conversation. Um, last year, he came in as an you know an under the radar Norris candidate for best defense in the NHL. He received some votes, and if you were to ask people to vote honestly right now and take the biases out from yeah, you get to play next to Kale McCarr, uh, I, I think the Abs would have two defensemen right now that legitimately fall into the top three, at worst the top five in Norris voting right now, and. He's up there, and he's just completely transformed the way the Avs look. They're 22-3-2 with him in the lineup this year. Insane. It's funny because he sort of has sort of that uh, Champ Bailey, Pat Sertan thing that you're talking about where when they're playing at their best, you don't. You're, they're not necessarily jumping off the page 100%. at you. A lot of it, obviously, on defense. You know, you just shut down your side of the ice and whatever. That guy's not making plays. But also, Devon Davis isn't necessarily scoring like flashy, you know, no. uh, spinny goals like that <laughs> sort of thing. He is one of those guys who just goes out there, does his job every night, doesn't make mistakes, and you leave the game looking at you know the box score or whatever, saying, "Oh yeah, another one from Taves. Another one from Taves. He plays on the penalty kill. He plays on the power play. And he leads their team in ice time on most nights at five on five. So he does it in every situation. And to your point, there are so many plays that would be really dangerous plays against that he just gobbles up and turns the other way. And they look like nothing plays, but it's because of how efficiently he transitions from defense to offense. Now, let me ask you this. Like he, 
leads the league as we record this leads the league in plus minus yep plus plus 33 and yep. you talk about McCarr it's kind of a chicken and egg thing so who makes who better does Taze make McCarr better mm. or does McCarr make Taze better so cop-out answer it's a little bit of both <laughs> they complement each other so well mm-hmm. but when you step back and, and look, the Avs went 4-5-1 and one in their 10 games without Devon Taves this season. Kale McCarr played in some of those games. Kale McCarr is, is, you know, he's a very good defender. He's better than he gets credit for. But there is just something transformative about the way that, that Devon Taves plays. He almost kind of allows Kale McCarr mm. to be Kale McCarr mm-hmm. because he can jump up into the play and, and make some of those flashier plays because you know you have maybe the most reliable defenseman in the league right now standing you know, to your left. Yeah. And, and so I, I, the, the honest answer is it's a little bit of both, but you can absolutely make the argument, and, and I would, that Kale McCarr can be who he is right. because he's yeah. got Devon Taves and, and just that reliability mm-hmm. on, every, on most shifts. You're singing his praise now, but is Unsung Hero a fair moniker for him to the oh, absolute, success? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, he coming into this season, people were like, oh, yeah, Devontae's could maybe be, when, when they thought the NHLers were going to the Olympics, like, ah, oh, maybe that's a guy in the conversation for, like, the eighth defenseman, you know, not even the first injury replacement. And by the time they had canceled, you know, NHL participation, he had started to climb those ranks to, no, he's solidly in that top six, but just where – and again, he, he will always go unsung because he plays next to such an electric player right. yeah. in Kale McCarr. Um, but in, in my opinion right now, you know, he's the most underrated defenseman in the NHL. Wow. Tie a bow on this yeah. with this question, the question that a lot of people have. Can they keep him around? Well, he, that, and that's the other part that makes him – he's on an unbelievably team-friendly deal for two more years. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this rate, you know – probably not you know he he will go get a very nice payday from someone who's gonna make him their their number one which you know he is kind of here but um it does kind of ramp up the importance of this window that the abs are in you've got mckinnon on the team friendly deal Mm -hmm. and you've got devon taves on your team friendly deal so you have your number one center and and a very important piece to your top pairing defense on very team friendly deals for a couple more seasons so um maybe because his fit is so nice, you'd maybe see him take a discount to stay playing next to a guy like McCarr. Um, but they've got a real chance to to you know bring home some hardware given the deal that he's on. Mm-hmm. Speaking of bringing home hardware, the main reason this next guy was brought here was to help the Nuggets bring home some hardware. Obviously, things kind of went awry after it, but I guess let's start with Aaron Gordon in that small window there sure. where everything came together. Didn't it look like the very last piece the Nuggets were missing yeah, and so much talent, not necessarily a ton of defense, defensive prowess or versatility. Aaron Gordon, a guy who we're learning, not just good at defense, but versatile. He's taken point of attack guys and Trey Young. He's taken big, strong wings. He provides an answer to a question Denver hasn't had even in the Jokic era. How do you guard the LeBrons, the Kawhis, the Lucas? So even just on paper, you go, okay, that's sweet. But then the way he fit into everything they were trying to do offensively in that short window that RK just mentioned, it's it's not a secret. Executives, media members around the league were circling Denver as maybe the favorite to win the title that year as a healthy team. We've come a long way since then. In that time, Aaron Gordon's proved to be a bit amorphous, malleable. Yes. He's mm-hmm. he's now, right now, he's not just that defensive piece. 
as we saw last night, he can has to be Jokic's bat or Robin to Jokic's Batman sometimes. Yeah. And he can do that. Mm-hmm. And then the final layer, guys, off the court, the way he's embraced being in Denver. Signed that extension early. Just last night calls Jokic the best player in the world. Playing with a smile on his face every day. Consider this. It was a no-brainer deal, but they did send fan favorite Gary Harris out. Mm-hmm. All that much easier to mm-hmm. swallow because Aaron Gordon is a Denver nugget through and through already. And you got to love that about him. And, and that's from day one. He was day like, one. Denver's kind of underrated. Mm-hmm. You remember that? And uh, it's it's so great to have him. And one thing that I feel like is so interesting about this whole mix is obviously it completely sucks that you lose Jamal Murray. Of course. But Jokic, the level that he's taken his game to since Jamal Murray, like Jamal Murray never got to play with this Jokic. Right. That's going to happen. And Aaron Gordon has developed nicely as well you know i think Jokic does that to everyone makes them a little bit better but yeah. he's becoming so much better than that guy that was even part of that championship caliber team that we saw for whatever it was eight games that's what excites me most about this nuggets team right now is like everyone's elevating their roles and then you're going to add a superstar guard to this at sure. some point plus mpj i'll take it a step further i think aaron gordon is now hitting a level he's helping Jokic get better mm-hmm. he's making Jokic a better player yeah. and and they have a chemistry right now that by necessity has really risen and and elevated to they, it would be a heavy reliance on Jamal Murray as it should be if he were here and even Porter now it's been okay what can Gordon do with Jokic so much time on the court together looking for each other and you're seeing that bear fruit these guys make each other better and I can't remember a game Aaron Gordon's played in Denver where we haven't seen him flash a huge smile Really quick, I just want to add to the chemistry thing that sure. you said. I saw an alternate angle from the stands of the you know awesome game winner he had the other night. And the craziest part to me is Jokic is, what, 40 feet away from Aaron Gordon? He's in shooting position. He's expecting that ball to come from him out of the double team all the way. Like It's not like he was surprised when he saw the thing. He's like, all right, this is coming to me. I'm going to have to make this game winner. Ready for it. Sunk it. So... Kind of piggybacking off the Makar Taves conversation, we're seeing Jokic obviously go to a crazy level this year. How much of that is being buoyed by the fact that he's got a guy like Aaron Gordon? Important to note that Jokic is just reaching God tier right, right. levels. Yeah. Like you, could, you could throw me on the court and and I might look okay, but <laughs> I do think some of it is he hasn't had this look, this dynamic in Denver. Any sort of Jokic Gordon pick and roll, no matter which way you flip it looks like something you see that succeed and you're like they should run that all game Mm -hmm. he is an above the rim athlete but he's also big and strong and formidable and so it's kind of there's a bit of the Fareed dynamic but a more complete player I think and so Jokic getting to play like a guy like that we'll see it more when Porter and Murray come back if Porter does it's just matchup problems. Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you deal with this much size and this much skill? And Gordon definitely contributes to that. Now, when Jamal does come back and MPJ does come back, this chemistry that Jokic and Aaron Gordon have developed, how does that get maintained when all of a sudden you've got the, right. the, the team that you intended to build, but clearly Jokic and Gordon have become something more together than perhaps we thought they could well, the, when this trade was made. It's a great question, and I think the top thing you can credit AG for in his Denver tenure is sort of figuring out, what do they need from me? And not only that, embracing what whatever role that may be. That stretch RK brought up last year when they looked so dominant, it was low usage, Aaron Gordon. It was be our best defender, be our fourth, fifth best defensive player, tertiary playmaker, and he was happy to do it. No problem. So 
I have confidence that as things return, as order restores, Gordon is more than happy to be who he knows Denver needs. Going to be fun to watch what happens when that comes back. Going to be fun to see who wins this. Three really good candidates here. Obviously, the fans will have a vote. And like I said, we'd love to have you here at the DNVR bar Saturday, January 29th for our live reveal of the winners. If you can't make that, then we'll also be revealing them here on YouTube on Monday. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for voting. <laughs>
moment for the franchise, really, when there's not a lot of them. So yeah, I would say this was like a legitimizing moment uh, for the franchise. Like we, you know, so much of baseball discourse around the Rockies is talking about why it doesn't count. Yep. Uh, you know, like oh, uh, you know, they're playing on the moon and stuff like that. And for a long time, I think there was a legitimate fear that that would keep any Rocky out of the Hall of Fame. Is they're just going to say, oh, you know, altitude, the numbers they're skewed. And so for the Rockies to get Larry Walker, who 100% absolutely deserved to be in and probably should have been in a lot sooner, really felt like they were finally saying, like, okay, yeah, like, yeah. you you guys actually have a baseball team that counts. It's true. I mean, you're talking about a franchise that has a statue outside of their stadium for the player. Yes. A, yeah, we got to fix that. <laughs> I well, think that it was like an Larry- accident. Like, they were like, oh, and one day a, a, a statue can go here. Like, for the we'll pl- just give it a working yeah. title, the player. Yeah. I mean – uh, this is an incredible moment. It's something we'll always look back on. It's a little bit uh, disingenuous in my point of view, just because he was voted in the year prior. He was actually inducted this year. So it's spanning two years. And if I'm not mistaken, we looked this up. This moment of the year for the Rockies last year was him being voted in. Look, <laughs> look, the Baseball Hall of Fame is a big deal. I'm just saying. It's tough to there get There can only in. be one winner in this, yes. so you should take that into consideration it's tough. when you are thinking about it. Yeah, MPJ. He wasn't voted. We're, not, wasn't we're voted. not talking about MPJ. Time newcomer. The, the curse of the goaties. Um, but uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame is very hard to get into, mainly because Baseball Hall of Fame voter, voters just like vote for no one and try to make a statement, and it's the weirdest thing ever. It's so true. The people who do that. It's, it's it's such a weird process. It is a professional gatekeeping uh, service. Yes. All right. Uh, speaking of winning awards here. Uh, a very strong candidate, and of course, our Lord and Savior Nikola Jokic winning yeah. MVP. Harrison, tell us a little bit. Well, about it's that. crazy that we're talking about this for just moment of the year because it's like the greatest moment in Nuggets franchise history. Yeah, it's one of the greatest moments <laughs> in Denver sports history. Yeah, this is gonna be so a real bummer. It's probably gonna win this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, the best part about Jokic winning MVP is, is the story for me, the narrative, and I'm a writer and I'm a sucker for that shit, but it's just wild, man. It's one of the more improbable sports stories I can ever remember. A second round pick who likes horses more than basketball growing up, never had any thought about playing basketball at a high level, comes here to Denver somehow, second round pick, starter, all-star, MVP, um, it's, like I said, one of the more improbable sports stories I can remember. It's so true. And the other thing working against Nikola Jokic is that the East, uh, the, the coastal bias machine was in full force working full against force. him. Mm-hmm. It was uh, working overtime. Against overtime. Him. Like there were all so many reasons why he wasn't, uh, shouldn't be considered, why it was silly. Uh, you know, then everybody would use the, the best ability is availability nonsense. But he was just dominant flat out dominant put up stats like we've never seen before which has only continued into this year but it's it's just such i mean if you want to talk about legitimizing you know hall of fame is a big deal mvp uh in the nba specifically yeah. there's uh, one a year and that's it one a year that's it but it's it, it it's a a league that is driven by individual performances more than any other mm-hmm. i think and so um and just all of the factors that you're talking about for them to him to actually be voted in and not be voted in, but voted in almost unanimously no. like two to three votes off. It was, it was remarkable. And uh, actually going there and seeing him grab his trophy, all of his teammates rallying him around uh, rallying around him. His brothers were there. Um, it was like kind of the re-entry into what is now ball arena. Like I hadn't been to a game that entire prior season. And that was the first one I went to. And it just felt like, 
you know, we'd arrived. Yeah, I feel like it's just like we talked about the Rockies. Every other sports team other than the Denver Broncos in this city gets thought over as a as a flyover. Denver's a flyover city. They there's too much altitude at Coors Field. The Avs play in altitude, so they outskate everybody. So everybody's tired when they come here. So the the fact that Nikola Jokic could be the best player in the NBA, which he clearly was, he clearly yes. is again, and there's still people fighting this that have votes. <laughs> and so not only was it amazing for him to win it. Oh, some guys had to vote for him begrudgingly because his season was so good they couldn't yeah. deny yeah, it yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. They he basically forced them into we, stopping denying. We witnessed people being bullied on Denver's behalf. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was. It, to me, it was like the culmination of like a fight. It felt like we won the fight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like in <laughs> a seven-year fight. <laughs> it's funny because we actually we had to go right back into it this year. Like, yep. I thought stopped. like, oh, we won the fight. We finally got <laughs> people to, to like understand Nicole yep. Jokic's the best player in basketball. And like this year, they're like, all right, we gave you your stupid little award. Now like leave us alone. It's like, no, we're not giving this up. But yeah, it, that was that was special. And, and it really did feel like, all right, like we're finally like we're not crazy. We're not just like homers over here trying to convince the world that Jokic We've, is so great. Like he really is that great. We finally as a franchise arrived. 50 years after our inception. <laughs> and, and the we fact that <laughs> his MVP trophy that was presented to him in the playoffs when there were fans back in the arenas yep. for one of the first games and just in line with him willing and carrying the Nuggets over the Portland Trailblazers in the first round yep. with just like nobody else doing anything. And it was just him. And it was just like, yeah. And this guy, this guy is it. Yoke and Austin Rivers. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on here. Uh, another fun moment that happened in the playoffs. Oh. Avs sweeping the Blues. Spence, you want to talk a little bit about that? So one of the greatest things about the Avs sweeping the Blues is just the fact that the Blues were that team that gave us fits. They won the Stanley Cup. Yep. The Blues fans were that fan base that hadn't had shit their entire career. They win a Stanley Cup. Now they're all... High and you know, yeah, exactly. They're like <laughs> Chiefs fans. That Missouri thing it must be just a thing there. Um, but the the Avs not only took down that behemoth that was the defending Stanley Cup champions. They didn't lose a game to him. And at the the uh, freaking emotion here at the bar was unreal. There was brooms everywhere. There was a few Blues fans here that just had no chance. And it it kind of showed the domination that the Avs can have. Now the next round. Not so great. Why are we, talking, why are we but, bringing up old stuff, man? But, but this <laughs> this moment it's the whole yeah. This moment in itself this was like it's kind of a culmination of like the Avs saying, okay, these are the Stanley Cup champions. Not only are we going to beat you, we're not going to let you win a fucking game. Yeah, sweeping a team is is a statement, man. Especially in a long series like that, doesn't happen that often anymore. Usually, you get up three zero zero, and you're like. All right, let's. You can have one. You can have one. Like we we know we're not going to sweep you guys, but to sweep anybody in any series is is an absolute statement. Yeah, and, and to just live in the moment, like at that time, it really felt like these guys can't be stopped. Yeah, and that made it special. You know, like like you mentioned, the the energy here at the bar was like a different style of like almost cocky energy of yeah just like, it was smug it's yeah, smug yeah, smug it was it the was it's unfortunate because of what turned around and happened but it was like these guys might just be better like they just yeah, might be yeah. better than everyone else and and that was a really fun thing to take in in that moment yeah it was, it's fun just really quickly it's just fun to feel the energy back around this team like it was in the early 2000s early like that thing where you're like <laughs> 
you actually expect the team to go far and to to dominate the Blues the way they dominated them in that first round. It was like, we in here, man. We back. And, and as we speak, as we're recording this, the Avs won 10 out of 11. They've won 14 straight at home. And it's just like. They're a wagon. Yeah. It, it, it is. They it can't does be stopped right now. It, it does. Feels, it does. We it back, feels like, you know, we're behind a juggernaut. The interesting thing about moment of the year is it can it can mean so much. Moment is like a very wide-reaching uh, word here. And yes. this last one is so different uh, from all these other ones. But in terms of a moment, uh, this one is really special. And it's, it's the Broncos honoring Demarius Thomas. Uh, they come out in, with 10 men on the field. They leave the X wide receiver spot open. They take... The delay of game and you know even as i'm talking about it i'm getting goosebumps um it was obviously you know the death of dt just affected so many people and and you know the everyone talking about what he meant to them and the little moments you hear from people who didn't know him uh, and i felt like it was really important for the broncos to nail mm-hmm. um their their honoring of him in that game and i felt i wasn't expecting this didn't see it coming and so when that happened, it was like tears and goosebumps and all that stuff. It was a really, really powerful moment. Yeah. It was. Um, it's uh, and it's one of these things where, you know, the Broncos have been sort of in a they've been mired in sort of uh, kind of tearing the city apart uh, for the last five years. It's like a lot of infighting disagreements. Um, but that was like a moment <clears throat> where everyone sort of took a, took a step back and like sort of remembered uh, not only what the Broncos meant to the city of Denver, but what Demarius Thomas himself like actually meant to everybody's lives and how important he was and what a symbolic figure he was. And um, to even go further than that later on in the game when Justin Simmons intercepted a pass um, and just ran right to the uh, the logo that was painted on the sideline, put the ball down and everybody crowded around it. It's just like, I mean, it was so much bigger than that game. And it is, it's something to remember for the rest of the rest of time. Yeah. Yeah, we had the tailgate before that game, and if you've ever been to a tailgate with me, you know where I was probably at. That was actually my birthday, and so I was, I was there, I was there, and talk uh, about a touching moment. I, no, and then like once, like I was like looking out at the field, and I couldn't tell what was going on. I was like, they're taking a long time. Like, are we really getting a delay of game? Vic Fangio, shocker, delay of game on the first play. It's just booing through <laughs> And then I look up and I see the screen's all black and it just has this little 88 and this cloud of dust just hit me. And I just, I was like, my God, I can't control it. And I, it was, it was an incredible moment that whole week leading up to it. Like the fact that the Broncos, like not a good team right now, but a first class organization turned it around as quick as they did and made that tribute and all the players were in on it. I mean, like it feels like DT hasn't played in so long, but he played with multiple guys on the roster yeah. at this point. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's you know a seventy-year-old that passes away that they're like, oh, you know, like yeah, he was a great Bronco. Like that meant something to not only the city of Denver, not only the players on the field, but like just the entire organization in general. Yeah, it was a moment that was so much bigger than the game that was about to be played. And anytime a moment is bigger than like a win or a sweep in the playoffs or you know. A, a touchdown or something like that's meaningful. Yeah, that's really, really meaningful when it 
goes above that. It does, yeah. It does have that deeper meaning, you know. And a couple of years ago, I think the winner of this was like Jamal Murray's post game yeah. speech, and it's like it's kind of like that. It's yeah. it's bigger than sports. It's different, uh, and, and so that was a, a, a really special moment. A couple honorable mentions here: uh, Ralphie Six, Ralphie yeah. Six, run at shout Folsom out. Field. Was, we were there for that. It was yeah, great, good time. Um, and then of course CSU winning the Paradise Jam, kind of we like did a, it. You know, we talk a lot about legitimacy yeah. in this, like. That kind of legitimized them in the beginning yeah. of the season as like, oh, these this is a formidable team. Yeah, I mean, they they had a, a huge comeback in that game. They were down by something like 20, 25 points and actually made a a furious rally to come back, ended up winning the entire tournament. Um, you know, there's a lot, especially when you're talking about CSU and basketball, those two, don't ne- those two words don't necessarily have a lot of power together generally. So for me, you know, as an alum, like seeing that and hearing Justin talk about the team and just, you know, what – wondering if I should put any stock into it, actually seeing them perform, watching David Roddy turn into LeBron James somehow during that tournament was amazing. <laughs> uh, and so what it means long-term, we, we don't know. The season's not even over, but it was, it was cool like to just be like, okay, this is actually worth paying attention to. Yeah, and if you're going to talk that much about CSU, I'm going to Go wax poetic a little more about Ralphie. By all means. Uh, you know, best tradition in college football, uh, a, a passing of the torch there. Uh, you know, there was so much excitement around – uh, revealing the new Ralphie. I thought CU did a really good job of like the video that they created with Chris Fowler uh, narrating that thing. And, and you know, uh, talk about a little tears. I mean, it means a lot to me. You know? I got a little teary seeing little baby Ralphie out there. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. All right. So, again, if you want to find out who's going to win this, well, you're going to have to come hang out with us. I know that sounds like a chore, but I think we're going to make it pretty fun. Uh, Saturday, January 29th, come down to the bar, hang out. It's going to be an absolute blast. We've got some really funny, you know, bits that we want to uh, show you guys. Uh, so come <laughs> hang out. And if you can't, if you can't make it to that, then again, we'll, we'll reveal all the winners again um, Monday on YouTube. So check us out. Thanks for listening. <laughs>